Well, the reading is from the first chapter of Genesis, starting at verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Well, I, can't, never, I always say that in the evening service, you can never see anyone because you're so dark out there, but I know your hearts are light, so that's the main thing. It's so good to, uh, to be here. I'm Richard, and uh, one of the uh, associate rectors here. Um, this weekend I've been breaking things, and so I hopefully won't break anything. Uh, I, I was, I, Mark asked me to play guitar at a wedding um, last night, and my opening chord destroyed the sound system. It's something I'm very proud of, actually, but uh, it's a little bit embarrassing when people have spent millions on, the, on their wedding that you go and destroy it in one chord. Anyway... <laughs> We're talking about creation tonight. There is a link there. I don't know there isn't a link at all. Um, shall we pray? And uh, Lord, it's so good to be together. It's always good to be together and to be your people in this place worshipping you. And tonight as we reflect a little bit on creation and just uh, think about not just our place in creation, but also the environment and how things are at the moment and how we as Christians uh, could interact with all that. I just pray that your Holy Spirit will come and surround us, fire up our imaginations, remove guilt from us, because many of us overuse the, your, your creation, uh, but remove that guilt, forgive us, and give us a clear way forward uh, as a result of just doing some thinking and working out tonight. And we're so grateful for that ancient text which we've got to look at tonight. Thank you. Uh, that your word lasts forever and uh, that you are the creator and you were there around at the beginning of time and creation is your gift uh, to us. So help us to properly reflect tonight. This is your time. We just ask that you do some wonderful things in our hearts as we're reflecting tonight. Amen. So 30 years ago, I'll, 
I wanted to be a rock star. Last night, I finally achieved it by blowing up the whole system. But 30 years ago, I wanted to be a rock star. So I wrote a song, and I'm going to give you the chorus of that song, because it's, it, it's beautiful, really. Uh, you know, Bob, Bob Dylan got his whatever it was, was it yesterday or the day before in Stockholm? Uh, Nobel Poets Prize or something, was it? Something like that. Anyway, if he should have had this lyric. Um, big blue world hung out in space. Big blue world, what a wonderful face. Do you see what I did there? It's brilliant. <laughs> oh, what have we done? What's gone wrong? Big blue world. That, isn't that, that was incredible, wasn't it? So, so I, yeah, thank you. That's good. That's good. I could even play it to you, but we haven't got time. And, and also, the sound system's a bit more precious in here. Um, I, I really can't understand why the record companies passed me up on that one. But uh, they said, said it lacked depth or something. Um, but anyway, things aren't as they should be in our big blue world. Something is up with it. Uh, the environment is struggling and it looks as though things are out of balance and it looks as though a big reason for this creation, the environment being out of balance, is because of humanity. We're squeezing it too hard. In the last few hundred years since the Industrial Revolution, we have become carbon mad and the world has gone out of tune. And it seems as though there's a battle for our world going on. Those who think we should tread on it more likely, as Di Hollow so eloquently put it a couple of weeks ago here in church, and those who think, well, what the hell? It's here for humanity's use. Let's just get on with it until it pops. There's also a huge group of people in the middle working it all out, but really thinking, I don't really understand this. I'm feeling at a loss of what to do. It's as if a guilty struggle is ensuing inside us. Should I fly halfway round the world to go on holiday? And if I do do such a thing, should I then offset? And what kind of car should I drive? You might even think, should I drive? Do I go make free, meat free? Or do I eat a burger when it uh, could make a huge hole in the rainforest uh, because of all that wood has been chopped down so the cattle can graze away to get big and fat for my burger? The list is endless and it's confusing and really, what difference could one person make? Science points to one thing, that the world is warming up and releasing more and more greenhouse gases. And yet for some people, some governments, some corporations, it's more convenient perhaps to deny this or if, if you don't deny it, just to play lip service to it and carry on regardless. And normally money is involved in this type of thinking. I don't want to overstate this, but this has become a spiritual issue of our times. For followers of Jesus, this is the contemporary issue. How do we interact with our world? What do we do with all the data which seems to indicate the Earth's health is failing? How does the environment affect my faith and the way that I live and interact with it? And the last few weeks here at our 7pm service, we've been encouraged to live 
more simply, as Di said, to tread more lightly. We've been encouraged to look at ourselves physically and recognise uh, the specialness of our bodies. We've been encouraged to create a space where we discover the wonder of prayer and to develop a deeper friendship with God. And all of these things are pointing to the fact that all of who we are and what we do and how we behave and how we live really matters to God. The simple call is, how do we relate to God with all of who we are as everything we do affects our relationship with him? And the way we interact with our environment is the same. It's a soul issue. Our world is God's gift to us. And how we interact with it shows, uh, are we taking him for granted in everything we're doing, or are we truly thankful? Because let's face it, creation is a truly amazing and valuable thing. BBC Earth worked with a British environmental specialist to commission a never-before-seen survey called the Earth Index. It seeks to measure the financial value of nature. And here are some examples of some estimated monetary value for aspects of God's creation. Fresh water is valued at $73.48 trillion. Trees are valued at $16.2 trillion. Coral valued at $9.9 billion. Wild sea fish valued at $224 billion. Plankton is valued at $222 billion. And bees and other uh, pollinators are valued at $170 billion. Vultures are valued at 2.6 billion, that's less, but not bad. And one beaver, one beaver alone, is valued at $120,000. And a spokesman for BBC Earth said, when you see the figures in black and white, it's illuminating to see that the annual revenues of the world's most successful companies, Apple, General Motors, Nestle, Bank of China, all pale into comparison to the financial return from natural assets to our economy. And another specialist concluded, what this unequivocally shows is the major contribution that nature makes to our health, wealth, and security. So tonight, we're gonna reflect on nature, on the environment, on creation, and we're going to go right back to the beginning of things, to that passage which Roger read to us. He read the sexist version of that passage, which I thought we'd banned here in church. So we're going to try and be inclusive about it tonight. But it's Genesis 1. And the simple thing I'm going to work out is, is the simple thing, is the a kind of theological framework into which we can do our thinking and working out on this issue. Then I've got two amazing people uh, to interview. The first is Ian Marchant, whose experience of running a major utilities uh, company. And we're, with Ian, going to talk about sustainability and renewables. And the second person we're going to speak to is Fiona Hollow, where we're going to hone in on the impact of what we eat and how she has changed her approach to food. So, a theological framework of creation simply means, in the light of all of what's going on, how as Christians can we shape our thinking so we can relate to the environment in a healthier and more godly way? And as we shape our thinking, how then can we respond and live out that thinking? And Genesis 1 
quite brilliantly gives us uh, some clues here. It's a vital passage when we're thinking about uh, what this should look like. And I want to just pick up on five things, five things which could be sort of the, 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 the points uh, the framework of the framework uh, which will help us uh, to work this one out. So it's Bi Bible's open time, Genesis 1, 26 uh, to uh, 32. So the first thing I want to say is it starts off this passage as it does all the way through the first uh, chapter of Genesis, then God said. The place to start right at the beginning of working out a theology of creation is, and a Christian perspective, I suppose, is about creation, is it always starts with God. It always starts with God. The thinking is that creation, the world and the earth, all of it, all of the stuff around us, is God's. Psalm 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And Paul later on in Corinthians carried on this thinking when he quoted from that verse and said, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So it's an Old Testament and New Testament thinking. Creation belongs to God. This is God's world. Everything in it is God's. It belongs to him. It's not our world. We live in it, enjoy it, get life from it, are sustained by it, have freedom to use it and develop it, but it does not belong to humanity. It doesn't also belong or exist just for himself. It hasn't just magically appeared. It's not some kind of amazing scientific experiment. It's not an amazing accident which somehow just exploded into life. The thing is, it belongs to God. It was created for God. The stuff in it is God's. The explosion which brought it into being was ignited by God. His fingerprints, his creative process, everything about God is found in creation. No wonder that some people say when they have a brilliant opportunity to engage with creation by climbing up a mountain or doing some mad stuff in creation or going for a nice gentle walk, they'll say, this is the time where I feel either in most awe of God or closest to God because creation points to God and his love and his provision because it is God's. A beautiful spring afternoon which we have just miraculously experienced here in Edinburgh, you know, is all down to God. God, it's his creation. Second thing is about creation is it's God's and humanity, that's us here, I haven't seen any pets here this evening, but the humans here this evening are created in God's image. Verse 26 and 27, it says, let us make human beings in our image. And it goes on, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created, him, created them. Male and female, he created them. Within human beings, within us, sat here tonight, within everyone in Edinburgh, in everyone in Scotland, everyone in the whole world, even everyone in England, within human beings, there is something completely unique. Whilst creation has the fingerprints of God all over it, and whilst creation points to God because it is God's, human beings have God's image stamped all over them and this image is much more sophisticated than just looking like God 
Within human beings is something very godly. It is unique to us. Christians or not, the image of God is there. It could be well be very well hidden in some of us, but it's still imago Dei, and it denotes there is a special relationship between God and human beings. And all this means that we have a special and unique place in God's creation. The creative drive somehow lives in humanity. Someone has said, being made in the image of God confers on us dignity, entrusts us with responsibility and implants in us a certain potential, namely the capacity to mirror our creator. Something of God is in each of us. This means in our living, we can reflect God in our day to day. It means that his character has the potential to shine out of each of us. And when we reflect on God's character, if you're anything like me, I just look to Jesus. And then I look also to somebody like St. Paul who wrote about the fruit of the Spirit when he said the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. As we mirror our creator, as well as many wonderful novel and creative things pouring out of us, reflecting God's creative power, we also live out of the fruit of the Spirit, knowing that we are his handiwork and his image releases us in himself. So love, joy and peace become the creative marks of humanity. The third thing as we come to sort of build this framework that it's God's world, God's earth, we're made in God's image. Third thing to say is God has given humanity the responsibility of the earth. So even though the earth is completely God's, he gives it to us, to humans, to look after. And this is where the problems begin. Genesis uses two words. I don't know if you've noticed them, and they're very significant words in this passage. In verse 26, the word is rule. Rule over the fish and the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, the wild animals, all creation. And in verse 28, he says that again. And another word he uses in verse 28 is the word subdue it. So if you like, God has given people a purpose. We all have a purpose. And the one thing all of us as human beings need is a purpose. And this is our purpose. This is our reason for living, if you like. And our reason for living is to rule and subdue the earth. Now, rule and subdue are words which could be misunderstood. Power crazy people could take them to mean something more than they do actually mean. This is why uh, some people blame words like this in, in the Bible. Uh, Brad, in, in Bradley, uh, in his book, uh, God is Green, said some people often cite Genesis 1 as a culprit for the destruction of the environment. He says this, we need to go further, no further than the end of the opening chapter of the Bible to find the statement that is often taken to lie at the root of human arrogance and indifference towards the world of nature and which has led many people to see Christianity as being responsible for our current environmental crisis. The message of this well-known verse seems to be clear. Man, that's humans, are Lord of all they survey, uh, given the right by God to do what he or she likes with the rest of the creation, which is there simply to satisfy their wants and to be used for their enjoyment. 
And many an evangelical, dare I say, of the years has brought that into the argument, and they still do today. It's the kind of thinking, if you like, which allows Donald Trump to turn his back on significant and vital uh, environmental agreements. It's the kind of thinking which uh, gives corporations the rights to run riot when it comes to uh, the environment and cause huge and serious ecological damage. But in doing so, is misunderstanding these words entirely because rule and subdue are not words which mean be greedy and take more than your fair share. Uh, and that's not the way that God wants it. God is not greedy or power hungry. He's a releasing and generous God. And so when rule and subdue are used, they do not mean ruin and destroy the environment of the world. The words mean don't take more than your fair share. They mean let the world thrive. Be involved in the creative process. Enter into the balance of creation and work in a fair way. Be at one, if you like, with creation. Like any great ruler, we would want peace with creation. Some suggested that we treat creation like precious, fragile uh, China, where we do the best we can not to get it smashed. And perhaps a better example today is treat your creation like your beloved iPhone, where you cocoon it lovingly in a huge rubber bumper with a lovely screen protector, preferably made of brass, rather than loosely, where you don't put that stuff on at all, and the next time you fall over, you crack that lovely sapphire-infused screen. We rule creation for everyone and everything and for the future. So we see ourselves, if you like, as stewards of creation, not as owners of creation, because it's not ours to own. God has bestowed much love and trust into his people with creation, a way we show our love and trust back uh, to our generous and kind God is by looking after and helping creation thrive. So the fourth thing from this, when we look at uh, creation, is God blesses humanity and wants his creation to thrive. So God simply said, be fruitful and multiply. That's a blessing to humanity. Creation is a gift of God to his people so that they can have a purpose, a calling, and a life. It's given for the best life, not a flawed life, a gift to help us to thrive. Earth has all the ingredients people uh, need to grow and develop and to be the people we are called to be and all the ingredients needed to care and look after all the animals and all the vegetation, everything else which makes up creation. Creation is a wonderful gift to help us to live at its best and help us to live abundantly. The better we engage with creation, the better our lives will be. The more we help creation to thrive and develop, uh, the easier things will be for us. God doesn't say, struggle your way through life and have just enough. No, his vision is that we are fruitful and we multiply. And a secret to that life is engaging in creation which enables that to happen for all people, not just the select few, like in the West, but for the whole of the globe. It is God's dream that we are fruitful. Creation contains all we need for this to happen. Final thing to say as we come up to our frame, complete our framework is God thinks his creation is good. God looked at it and he thought, oh, that's very good indeed. Our planet is completely amazing. It's the big blue world. 
and it is stunning. Any framework about creation must have this idea in it. We're dealing with something which is stunning and worth investing in and worth protecting and worth the effort of getting it to thrive. Anything which screws up creation is a big sin because it is what God has given us to sustain us, to keep us going, to help us to thrive. And it is very good. So I want to interview two fantastic uh, people now, uh, Ian and Fiona. And I want to take this a little bit deep, deeper just to see how they interact uh, with creation and think about it. And hopefully out of this we will get some ideas about how we, uh, sort of, as we're working out our own faith, can engage more deeply uh, with creation. So I've got some, look at this, fantastic people here to uh, come and help us. Oh, yes, so just grab a lollipop. That's great. Wonderful. Great. So, oh, I'm going to go in the middle. That's brilliant. So, yeah, I can be the rose. Anyway, um, it's really, really kind of you to come and be part of, um, uh, of our service tonight just to help us in our thinking. One of the things I've really valued in the last uh, few weeks is the way that our guests have really helped us to think uh, through this issue. So it hasn't just been a preach, it's had some practical uh, sort of application. I want to use another word, but that's the only one I can think of. So anyway, just to introduce people, this is Ian Marchant. Do you want to say hello, Ian? Hi, good, e good evening, everyone. Is, is it, are we... Am I on? Switch. Switch. That would be helpful, wouldn't it? Good evening, everyone. Is that better? Yes. I'll just Perfect. shout if it isn't. So, so Ian, just, just could you tell us a little bit uh, uh, about your, uh, your background, if that's possible? Yes, I, I trained as an accountant, went into business for various reasons, ended up working in the energy industry and latterly for a company called SSE, the old Scottish Hydro that some of you will be aware of, um, and did that from, until about three or four years ago. Great. And in a bit, I'm going to come back to you a little bit about this. And this is Fiona Hollow. Do you want to say hello? Uh, hello. I think this one. Hello. Number two. Hello. Oh, there we go. Come on. That's good. Hi. Uh, hi, I'm Fiona. Um, I'm a student. You're so, a student. Yep, at Glasgow University. So, you know, West is best, but I'm not allowed to say that. So, hi. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, he's yeah, paying yeah. me. But um, yeah, so because I'm a Christian, I'm just going to sit quietly. Yeah, knowing, yeah, that's, knowing that you're yeah. wrong. Okay, well. Um, yeah. But it's really thank you so much, and we're going to come in a minute and we'll Take surprise that. people with uh, what you're going to talk about. So, uh, Ian, just you, you've you've got a lot of experience dealing with some some high end stuff, thinking about uh, energy, thinking about the environment. Um, how worried are you about uh, issues to do with environmentalism and the state of our creation? I mean, I, I think we are in a serious situation. I'm going to disagree with something you said right at the beginning. You, you, you framed it in the context of the last 300 years. Yeah. About the Industrial Revolution. I think it, it's actually more recent than that. I'm 56. Now, for many of you in the audience, that's positively geriatric. Yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't feel like that to me. But actually, in, in my lifetime, our consumption of oil globally has quadrupled. The carbon emissions as mankind has quadrupled. 
the population has just about doubled. So actually, the unsustainable path that we're on has started in my lifetime. So it's, it is actually a more recent phenomena, I think. That, yeah, the, 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 the signs were there earlier, but the Earth is already 1.1 degrees warmer than it was in pre-industrial time. And the scientists are saying that anything above one and a half degrees and we will start to see dangerous climate change. And it won't affect people here, really. It will affect the most disadvantaged people in the world. People in sub-Saharan Africa who are already really struggling at the bottom of the, the existence pyramid. Those are the people who are going to be most affected. And we're already at 1.1. And if we stopped emitting carbon today, we might be okay. But we're on track to get to about four degrees unless we do something serious. So, so my next question was, have we gone too far? No, we, we haven't gone too far. However, any, ex, any sensible extrapolation of what we do, what we do rather than what we, our politicians say we should do would say that within the next five to ten years we will have gone too far. Okay, by the way, I'm really glad you've disagreed with me because this is why we brought you up to, to so, so we get some correct information, not these dodgy preachers, that's good. Um, what, what, what can be done then? What, what can we do as we, we're sat here? Well, I, I mean, I think that there are, there, you could answer that question on two levels. Um, for some of us, we, are, we will be in leadership and positions of influence and there are things that we can do, but that's not, that's not for everybody. But just to, to address that first, in a position of leadership, it is about bringing our Christian faith to bear upon what organisations do and how they think. And potentially providing a framework, again, as you gave us a framework for thinking about creation, actually we need to help organisations have a framework for thinking about how they develop sustainably. Um, but as individuals, there's always something we can do. So I'll give you a very simple example. Um, most of you, you're living in a house and somewhere in, in your house there's a thermostat that sets the heating. Did you know that basically one degree will, if, will reduce, if you turned your thermostat down by one degree, it will reduce your energy bill by between five and seven percent. So you'll save money, but you will also reduce the impact of your energy consumption. The other interesting thing, there's been some research, I think it was done last year, that the average temperature sensitivity difference between men and women is two and a half degrees. Women feel the cold more than men. So how many households is one turning the thermostat up and then the other turning the thermostat down? A simple conversation about what the right answer is. So I actually think central heating should be on the marriage preparation course if you're doing that. <laughs> Excellent. But, but there, are, there are some simple things that you can do with, that we can reduce your energy consumption. Brilliant. Thank you for that. Uh, one area I just want to go delve into with you. you you've been very much involved in renewables and uh, sustainable energy and sustainability, um, is the hope in that area, is it realistic we can go, go down that, 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 that end or, or is, this, is this something which is uh, 
just just a hope and, and, and very hard to achieve. Now, it, it's absolutely possible to run your energy system entirely on renewables with the technology that we have today. Um, Scotland is already over 50% of the electricity from renewables. 100% is achievable. At the UK level, 100% will be more challenging, but it can be done. It will take investment. It will take investment in storage because renewables are more intermittent than our demand is. It will take investment in software, but it can be done. The bigger challenge is actually heat. It's not electricity. Uh, because at the moment, almost all of our heat is fossil-based. Basically from the North Sea, we use gas to fire up our boilers. That's going to be a real challenge. If you're interested in how we can decarbonise our energy system, the Scottish Government put a very interesting consultation paper out, I think in January, on the Scottish energy strategy. It's, it's well-written and it's challenging and makes you think. So if you are interested in that, I would urge you to have a read of that. And the consultation period is still open if you want to engage in that debate. But it's absolutely technically feasible. Great. Just, just one final thing. As a Christian who's been in business and who's dealing uh, with this issue, how, how high up should this be in our spirituality as working it out for ourselves? I, I think that's... My own view is that's an individual answer. Um, for me, the whole issue of the environmental impact of business was high on my agenda because of the role that I had. Each of you will have different roles and different things. For some of you, rightly social justice is high. I think for you, Richard, mm -hmm. and that, that's, I've not got a problem with that at all. But I think everybody here should, be, should have things that they care deeply about and which their Christian faith influences them on. And actually, it's finding people who can help you in that journey uh, within the church environment. You've got to remember, guys, church is a really unique institution in the society. There are not many places where you get three generations coming together to share. You get people from all walks of life and actually all levels of knowledge. Use the connections that you can have here to help you make a difference in your chosen field. Great. Now I'm preaching, aren't I? No, I love so it. That's, that's good. No, no, it's not. I'm, I love that tonight. Thank you so much uh, for that. Yeah, I love the idea of just each of us having a passion and, and uh, working that way. Now, speaking about somebody with a passion, let's uh, move. Thanks for waiting for us. Um, the first question I've got is why is food uh, important when we think about creation? Okay, um, I think before I want to start, I want to say that I'm quite early on in thinking about how food and creation link together. I'm only one year into thinking about all this stuff, and I would say that food is a complex issue because we all need it, and the food that we have in our lives is coming from all over the world. So I think it's really complex, but I think that God loves food. Like, he created us to eat food. Mm -hmm. um, he, you know, it, it, in Genesis, it talks about, in the passage we just read, about food being something that he blesses us with. Um, so I think also throughout the Bible, you see Christians gathering together to eat food. That's what Jesus did. So I think um, it's fundamental. He cares about it um, and it's part of his creation. So I hope that answers the question. God loves food and I think he wants us to be eating it well and treating our bodies well, as well as treating the food that we're eating well. So you've started this uh, journey thinking about food. Well, mm -hmm. I think about food, but not as, in a nice way as, as you do. Well, it's, it is nice sometimes. Um, but um, 
how's it impacted you, this journey? What, what, what's, what's, it, what's it done for you? Yeah, um, I think uh, recently I've just been thinking about um, that God cares about the micro decisions that I make as well as the macro. He cares about the small decisions I make throughout my day as well as the bigger decisions over what we do, do with my life, whatever. Um, and that's really impacted me to think about um, how I live my life. Is my life just living out of convenience or is it living out of a bold obedience to something that's bigger, more that is more challenging? Um, and so how has it impacted me thinking about food and creation? Well, it's made me think a lot about where my food comes from, who are the people that are making my food, connecting the dots along the way, not just accepting the package in the store and just taking that and just not thinking about it, not blocking everything else out. So um, I've become a vegetarian. Um, I'm not saying that everyone should do that. I'm not guilt tripping. Um, I recently heard this phrase, meat reductionist. That's maybe what you so, should consider. So why, but is that, why is that important? That we'll yeah. That? So uh, I bacon rolls. Give up bacon rolls. Oh, it's so been a difficult year. I find but, that yeah. vegetarian, but anyway. Yeah. So, um. Well, um, I basically was just thinking about the way that meat is produced in our country and um, where is it coming from. Um, meat is quite um, a big. The people, the cows and the sheep that we eat, they are big producers of carbon emissions. Really? Yep. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to that, but um, yeah. So things like that, and then also the fact that where are we transporting our meat from the ethical things that come with that so I just decided you know what I'm the sort of person I have to just cut something out completely otherwise it just yeah so I just decided to be go home vegetarian um, but I would suggest trying to cut down your meat I'm not saying everyone should cut it down because I think it's more complex than saying everyone should do that yeah great so, so I was just my one final question to you is give us one practical way one thing perhaps we, we could do uh, to, to think in this. So it could, I had a meat-free Thursday. It wasn't intentional, but I had a meat-free Thursday. And I, I felt better for it, and I'm going to try and, try and do yeah. that kind of stuff. But is there any other things which, you, 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 which could be done? Yeah, um, so I've also started thinking about how can I be eating more locally or more seasonally, so not buying fruit or vegetables that are maybe from a different country that are out of season. So I don't, I've stopped buying things like blueberries, strawberries, that, um, when it's not summertime because they're not grown here. So um, I'm, I'd be eating like strawberries from Spain and actually I don't need that. So it could be just thinking about that. It could be about, yeah, cutting out meat for a day, a week, and then just small changes because actually like sometimes it's too big to just say I'm gonna cut all these things out and you feel like you're failing. Yeah. There's grace in that. Just do, do one day, try one thing and see what happens after that. Yeah, and that's where the idea, I know I joked about it, but just saying one day a week or two days I'll go meat free and then you might go to three or four days and it it just yeah. helps a little yeah. bit. Doesn't it's like it? a domino effect, like one yeah. thing and then see where that takes you. Yeah, great. So I think one of the scandalous things in this country is that every year we throw away 10 million tonnes of food. There we go. And, you know, so if you forget what you eat, think about what you're buying and only buy what you're actually going to eat because most of that 10 million tonnes comes from households. So, you know, there's, there, there are more ways of tackling the problem. Yeah. And, sorry, time has caught up, but really, thank you very much. What I want to do now is I just want us to pray and just take a couple of moments because we've had some fantastic input here, which has really helped me. You know, if you're anything like me, you're a little bit anxious about what 
Ian shared about how the temperature of the world is rising and what's our place in that, how are we going to work that out. A bit hopeful about this renewables uh, stuff as well, praying that things like that can have a greater impact. And maybe we're challenged just personally to do one thing differently, might be changing the thermostat, might be thinking about the food we eat. Let's just be quiet for a moment as we uh, move on from here. So Lord, we're full of thanks for the creation that you have given to us. We're so grateful that you call us to be part of this creation and to engage with it. And Lord, forgive us where we fail and we fail deeply and we add to the problems of our globe. But Lord, would you inspire us and would you help us as your people uh, to be people of the solution who bring the hope and the change which our creation, which our globe, which our environment so desperately needs. Help us not to make our faith just something in our head and our hearts. Help us to make it very practical. And as we choose uh, to live, as we choose to live next week, as we are faced with so many choices, help us to make choices which will show that we're treading lightly, and and which will improve the environment rather than just keep on taking from it. So this is your world, we're your people, and we're asking for your help here as we work alongside you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>